This is the Fearless Minds Podcast, episode 34 with Elmo Lovano. Too many people allow fear to rob them of success. So what turns dreaming into doing? Conquering your fear while pursuing life, your goals, and your purpose. Twice a week, Cole Hatter will bring us inside the minds of those who are fearlessly succeeding. Cole is an author, investor, award-winning speaker, and successful entrepreneur who isn't afraid to give back and lives every day to the fullest. Now, get ready to become a massive achiever. It's time for Cole Hatter Presents Fearless Minds. What is up? Thank you for joining us today. This is the Fearless Minds Podcast. I'm Cole Hatter, and you are listening to episode number 34 with Elmo Lovano. In this episode, I had a chance to talk with Elmo about his passion and career in the music industry and his more recent career now as an entrepreneur. He talks about having a love and a talent for drums pretty much his entire life until he turned 15 years old and finally sat his parents down and said, Hey guys, I'm going to go tour for a bit and joined a band and by his 22nd birthday had already gone on five world tours and 15 national tours around the U.S. and was becoming a huge icon in the music industry. He then started something called Camerata where for 200 straight weekends in a row he hosted an event where up-and-coming artists would get together, play music, hang out. And it was actually kind of cool. He talks about how some of those artists were no names at the time and some have gone off to go and win Grammy Awards now. So unfortunate that it's no longer running. That would be something that I wish I could have uh, attended. We also had a chance to talk about his new business, which is called Jam Card. Having been in the music industry as long as Elmo has, he's realized that there's always been a problem of finding the right artist for the right project. He might have a recording session where he's got to find a bassist real quick, and although there are many talented people, it really is, sounds like there's an art to finding the right person. It's not just a matter of the skill set, but it's somebody that you really jive with. And throughout his career, he says that it should be a blast building these teams of artists, whether it be going on tour or just recording an album. Album, and it's really a pain in the butt. And so having that problem in the music industry almost solved it. And he said, you know what? Enough's enough. I'm going to create something called Jam Card where it's almost like a virtual business card for people in the music industry where there's some pictures and then some audio of whatever it is and whatever instrument it is or if it's vocals, them singing, where they can post their talents to Jam Card and be found easier and help make these matches in the music industry. So I've got high hopes for this app. It's the first of its kind. It's never been done before and it's definitely definitely something that's needed in the music industry. These show notes for this episode can be found at fmpodcast.com forward slash episode 34. That's fmpodcast.com forward slash episode 34. Head on over there. Check it out. I'll have Elmo's website there, his different Twitter accounts, as well as a few videos of him doing some drum solos. I'm watching this guy, and it's, it's insane what he can do. So head on over. Check it out. Enjoy this episode. This is my new friend and now yours, Elmo Lovano. Thrilled to be hanging out with Elmo today. Elmo, thanks for joining us, bro. Yeah, thanks for having me. So why don't you just take a second to introduce yourself, let the listeners know who you are, what you're up to, and uh, what makes you happy, man. Yeah, definitely. Um, I am first and foremost a musician, producer, musical director. All things music is really uh, my motto. And uh, I started touring when I was young. started touring when I was 15, took it really seriously, got permission from my parents to to leave high school and hit the road because <laughs> nice. I knew at 15, I literally like came home from school and told my mom and my dad, I was like, look, I'm going to be a professional musician. 
I need to go on the road right now. And my dad was like, yes. And my mom started to cry. <laughs> and, and I kind of went from there. And so I, I spent the last 13 years um, going full-fledged all music. And, um, and lately for the last year or so, um, I jumped into the tech scene for the first time. And, uh, and I have my first tech startup called Jam Card, which is also for the music community. So I'm still completely in the music community, but I'm, you know, doing something new to try to, um, you know, give something to the scene, which is really something that I needed and had needed for years. And so I just realized no one's going to do it, but me, I got to just do it. So that's what I've been doing for the last year or so. I mean, I'm excited to talk about that too. I want to focus on your your music scene first and then transition into your new entrepreneurial endeavor. But I like what you said right there, and we'll talk a lot about that, that there was something that you needed that didn't exist, so you created it. And so many brilliant, successful businesses start that way, that you're searching around for something, and you might find something close, but not quite what you need. And some people out there just put their foot down and say, well, if it doesn't exist and I need it, chances are someone else needs it. So let's create it and see what happens. And here you are with Jam Card now succeeding in that after a year of launching it. So I'm excited to dive into that. But let's go back to 15 years old when you get home from school. <laughs> when you get home from school and you tell your parents, I'm in the road, I'm freaking out of here. Dad said yes, mom started crying. But obviously uh, they ended up supporting that. Uh, any regrets, man? Any any looking back, would you have done it the same or would you have done it any, any differently? No, I, I actually think that was like the smartest decision I ever made. Um, I started drumming when I was really young. I do have a very supportive family um, because, I mean, if you're a young drummer, you must have supportive parents because I don't know what kind of crazy people allow their kids to like bang on drums in their room all day. (laughs) But um, I come from a family of musicians, both on my mom and my dad's side, like all the way back. My dad's side's more rock and roll. My mom's side's more like jazz. And um, so they were, I'm the only drummer, um, but they were supportive of me playing and they had already seen, by the time I was 15, they had seen my passion. Like I came home from school every day at three o'clock, dropped my backpack at the door and ran straight to my drum set in my bedroom and played until eight o'clock. Cause at eight o'clock the neighbors would start screaming. <laughs> and, um, and I didn't, interesting enough, I didn't do any music in school. I didn't do marching band drums, nothing. I was completely self-taught and did it on my own and just loved playing drum set. And, um, so by the time I was 15, I had already shown them that I was doing that for years and it was clearly my favorite thing in the world. And, um, and everyone at my friends, in my friend circle at school and my counselor, everyone kind of just knew. There was kind of no avoiding it. I was like, I'm a drummer. Like, that's me. I'm like drawing drum sets on my binder all day and everything. And, <laughs> and uh, so I actually brought it up to my counselor first, like the idea, because I got a touring offer um, this band that was called Limit Point was like this uh, punk band in in my neighborhood that was doing really well and, and toured and was playing with like a lot of my favorite punk bands. And they were, the singer was seven years older than me and the bass player was five years older than me. So I was 15 and they were 22, 22 and 20, and, um, which is a pretty big age gap at yeah, that totally. age. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Five, seven years is not a big deal. But when you're talking at that age, it's like, yeah, it's a totally different life. Yeah, totally different life. So they, uh, I actually, funny enough, now that I'm doing Jam Card 15 years later, so I went and saw them play, and then I ended up starting a conversation with the singer on AIM, on Instant Messenger, because AOL was the big thing back then. Right. And uh, and I was like, yo, I would be a great drummer for you guys, blah, 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 and they happened to need a drummer. 
And I was like, come over, let me just play for you. Like a very eager kid. I lied, told them I was 18. And uh, so they were like, all right, this kid's gung-ho. We're going to go check him out. And they came over to my house uh, to see me play. And I opened the door and I'm like clearly 15. (laughs) (laughs) And I have like braces and like a Hawaiian shirt on and like football shorts. You know, I'm like pretty clueless at that point. (laughs) And uh, But they came in and I brought him into my bedroom, which just had this like big drum set and I, this is really funny to think back on but they retold me the story i brought them in my room turned off the lights and turned on a strobe light and just started soloing <laughs> and uh nice so cheesy and so hilarious but anyways it made them be like whoa this this kid's good and then we had the talk of like hey actually i'm 15 uh but i look 18 kind of and like uh, here's my talent level blah 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 anyways so i got the gig right and but in order to do it i had to tour so I had the, this touring opportunity and I, that was why I brought it to my parents being like, you know, I have an opportunity here for me to start playing outside of Los Angeles um, and this is what I want to do with my life and I have the opportunity now. Why not get the head start? Like what I'm being taught in school, in normal public school, isn't at all what interests me and what's going to benefit me, especially because I wasn't doing music in school. Um, I was like, this is what I want to do this is what I've been showing you that I want to do for years. Um, and the, here's my head start. And so my mom said, cool, as long as I actually got my diploma, I couldn't get my GED. So I did some like homeschooling, had a tutor on the road and um, did that whole thing. So I ended up graduating. So that was that. And like when I was, I did that band for three years. And then when I was 18, um, I got offered to join a bigger band that was like an international touring band. Um, so and I took that gig and that was really exciting and and that band ended up becoming the biggest unsigned band in the world. We sold a hundred thousand records with no label. Wow! And it was just straight street hustle and just us just going, going you know a hundred percent on on the music and a hundred percent on the promotion and the marketing and just doing it all like hand to hand mostly. Um, and uh, so I did that band until I was twenty two. And uh, when I was 22, finally, after four years of that band doing really well, we did, <clears throat> we did 13 U.S. tours. We did five world tours and um, all DIY. And we finally, at the end of that, signed the major label deal uh, with the biggest manager and the biggest lawyer. And we sat for the first time ever in our career. We sat for like three or four months and nothing happened. And I was like, this is not for me. I quit. And wow. so 22 now, my friends are getting out of college. Like think of my musician friends. They're like, cool, I'm getting out of college. I'm, I'm, you know, I've got these accolades and I can play like this. I'm, look, I'm ready for my first real gig. And I'm like 22 years old. I'm like, well, I didn't go to college, but I've done like five world tours and like 15 U.S. tours. And I already had this, you know, large collection of musician friends who were directly in the scene. And almost all of them were older than me because I was the youngest because the band I was in, they were five to seven years older than me. So it was all people their age, not my age, you know. And those guys were like big brothers to me um, and like kind of like show me the ropes of what they had already learned from when they were my age to 22 of like touring DIY and how to make a band actually make money because monetizing a band, monetizing art is very hard. Right. Um, there's, you know, there's an art to monetizing art. And, um, so it was, it was, you know, I just got street smarts from that. And that's kind of always been my style is to just dive in and figure it out. 
man, there's there's so many teaching points with what you just shared. I don't even know where to begin. So I'm going to go <laughs> back to a, to a note I took on what you said. When you started referencing your decision to pursue your passion and not go the traditional route of, of finishing high school you know, full-time, you did some homeschool, and then going off to college and getting your degree, uh, you were still very respectful towards potentially those that go and get their four-year degree, you said that uh, you know that wasn't what interested you and it wasn't what was going to benefit you. That was your exact words. And I love that because you know that's what I preach and I promote. And part of what I do professionally now is I, I stand on stages and speak. I was just at an event last weekend in Las Vegas of 1,500 people where we're teaching people actual practical skill sets of entrepreneurism and investing that regardless of your you know previous accolades and degrees that you may or may not have this is ways to actually go out there and benefit yourself today of how to raise money how to evaluate deals how to be an entrepreneur etc and so you know, sometimes I get harassed from those people that have gone off to get these, uh, these degrees, these PhDs that uh, you know were, were knocking education, but that's not it at all. I'm the huge fan of education. I say you can't get anywhere without it, but for some reason our culture is bought into that the only education that's valuable is, is sitting through classrooms and having professors teach us and then getting that piece of paper called a diploma. And while that benefits some greatly that want to go the traditional route and you know go into corporate America and climb that corporate ladder, there are other forms of of education of real world application and learning by doing that is equally as valuable and here you are and just you know articulating that beautifully and and showing us that they're your friends were at 22 years old getting off with their degrees saying you know now it's time to start life where you had already been living life like you said five world tours and 15 u.s tours and so you know a good lesson for that that there's this kind of i don't want to call it a feud but this conversation going on in the education community of some that are the more traditional that, hey, if you don't have a degree, you know, parents forcing their kids, go to school, get a degree because that's what I did. That's what my parents told me. And that's the, that's the American way. But then you've got this other emerging, uh, like myself, who uh, I did go off to school and I learned uh, to be a firefighter. And, you know, for those that listened to uh, this podcast, they know that that career ended in a car accident that uh, put me in a wheelchair for a little bit and just, you know, firefighting was over for me. But since the way that I make money today and all the businesses I run and everything I teach on from stage has been kind of self-taught, but mostly just plugging in with people who were where I wanted to be and learning from Mm -hmm. them, which is exactly what you did there. So I love how you just explain that and still with respect that, you know, you didn't say screw getting a degree. This is what I wanted to do. You know, you acknowledge that, Hey, that just wasn't what interested you. And it wasn't what was going to benefit you with what you wanted to do. So I like that. And, you know, let that be kind of a conversation for the listeners to have in their own minds of what it is that you're passionate about. The best route there could be traditional and going to school, you know, being a doctor, being a, a psychiatrist, those are things that require those more formal type educations. And if that's your dream and that's your ambition, go for it. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you want to do something a little bit different, it might not be the best way to benefit you of getting where you want to be. So I love that route. And you know, you could argue who was more prepared to succeed in life, your buddies who at 22 had gone to school or yourself who had worked with these bands and had a major record label you know, come and sign you and had all this life experience. So I guess it really is boils down to what you said. It's what interests you and what benefits you. So um, mm-hmm. totally. you know, that's great. Yeah, and I think, you know, you need no matter what, whether you need whether school's right for you or you take the, you know, just do it yourself route, it's very important to have teachers. Right. And with school you can choose your classes, but then you're assigned a teacher. And doing this in life, you know, you can go out and find your teachers, find your mentors, you know, like find the people who have the experience, who've made the mistakes and can tell you their firsthand experience. But nothing guarantees you whether you go by the book or whether you go like in the free realm, like 
there is no certain path. I don't believe for anything like right. you can, you can play by the book and do every step that you're supposed to do and still not make it. Or you can go a path where people are like, you're crazy. This is never going to work. And it completely does. Right. So it's just, you know, trusting, trusting yourself, trusting your gut and like, and running with it because in reality, that's the only way you're going to be completely satisfied and fulfilled anyways, is if you actually do what you want to do. And what you just explained to me is, is kind of a definition of fearlessness. As you know, the theme of this podcast is fearless minds. And we just talked about is trusting yourself. And then you said running with it. You know, that's, I think where a lot of people get stuck is, is we all come to that moment in life where we hit fight or flight, where you have the path in front of you to leave high school, finish it through homeschooling and hit the road literally, or stay with what the world around you may have told you is the norm of staying in school, going to get your degree, and then maybe, you know, pursuing your music career. Once you've gotten that done and we all come to that moment of fight or flight where am I going to do this or not and sadly um, I don't want to say majority but a large population maybe it is the majority uh, allow fear to get in their heads and say you know what but what if it fails and what if it this or what if it that's but you didn't allow that to stop you you just said you know what I'm trusting myself this is my passion this is what I want to do it's what I've always done and I know it's going to work and uh, it didn't come easy right you were you were working hard and uh, you gave us just a little visual of that of without being signed selling over a hundred thousand records by just going out there and hitting the pavement that doesn't happen accidentally. And so that's, that's another lesson to the listener is uh, just because you're within your passion doesn't mean it's coming easy. You're still going to work for it, but you're going to work no matter what you're doing, whether you're putting in 40 hours a week in a cubicle for someone else's business or hitting the pavement, selling your records, work is work. So why not challenge yourself to have the faith and have the fearlessness to go out there and work in what it is you love? And, uh, Again, I think you're a great example of that. And let's uh, let's talk a little bit further down the career. I'm, I'm reading all about you here, and you've worked with some huge name artists. Um, and I love I love what you call yourself on your website. You're musician, producer, musical director, promoter, entrepreneur, beard enthusiast. I like that, <laughs> and people lover. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about that that you're doing so many things music you don't just play the drums phenomenally which you do and i'm going to put some of these videos on youtube i have of you just doing solos so for the listeners that want to check out how much elmo rocks the drums head on over to fmpodcast.com check it out and uh, there'll be those different uh videos of him you know rocking out but beyond that you actually are producer uh you're a director and as a result of that you landed some pretty cool relationships one i'm talking about specifically is with christina perry talk about that how did that come up um it says that you were not just her drummer but actual her musician or excuse me musical director for a few years how did that happen yeah that's um okay so well there was so when i told you i quit that band when i was 22 there was a point in between that and christina um where i came home and i i really wanted to just start this project that was i had that had no rules that i could release my anything that was inside me musically in this one project. And I I had a partner, a writing partner at the time, John Anderson, who was just like one of the most proficient musicians I've ever met in my life. And we really inspired each other and we had very similar interests. So we went out and uh, we went and wrote that. And um, that was quite the experience because we started writing this like unique music that started getting like a cult fan base underground in LA. And, that was also at the same time when I, I just have a lot, of, a lot of really, really talented friends who happen to be like pretty introverted and are like insanely talented but don't know how to promote themselves. 
So I was like, okay, cool. I have this new project that people really like, and I have all these friends that deserve exposure. I want to create this event that's like a community event in Hollywood where I can have any artistic medium there performing, and it's a place where I can give the talent the exposure of an audience, and the audience can come and feel inspired every week, even if they don't know what the bill is. They'll be like, oh, okay, I know this is going to be rad, inspiring, cool, whatever. So, um, so I wanted to start this event. I had never thrown an event before. Um, didn't know how to do it. So I met, <laughs> I went out, met this girl at this club and she was like, oh yeah, my husband, uh, my husband owns one of the clubs. You should meet him. I was like, okay. So she sent me up a meeting with the owner of this club called Cinespace out here in Hollywood, which I believe no longer exists actually. And, um, and it, but it was like the perfect venue for me because it had three rooms. And in the third room, the biggest room, there was a theater, which had a screen, which was great because the band I was in had crazy visuals. So I went and, <laughs> went and took the meeting with him. And I was like very transparent as I always am. Like, yo, I've never done this before, but here's my vision. I want to do this night where I can have my band play. We'll bring, a, we'll bring a steady crowd and I can put on these talented people before me. And I can have like live artists and like aerial artists and projectionists and sculpturist like whatever it is in this in this place and your venue's perfect for it like what can I do to do this like what would it take to make you happy and he, he simply told me he was like yo I'll give you my worst night which is Sundays and he's like if you can bring me three grand at the bar on a Sunday uh I'll love you and you can do whatever you want here and I was like wow. oh okay um I feel like I could do that so I was like three grand okay well if I bring 300 people and they each spend $10 at the bar. That's three grand. I feel like I could, I feel like I could do that. Uh, sure. <laughs> you know, so you just got to bring your thirsty friends. That's all. Yeah, exactly. Which is hard on a Sunday because people aren't partying. Right. But, uh, um, but I was like, hey, you know, if the programming's right, we'll see what happens. So I was, I told him, I was like, can I do it for a month? Like a residency. So four of them. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. Well, let's do the first one. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I can make it successful once. I was like, I feel like I can get 300 people on that. So He's like, cool, let's do four. So we went and did the four, and all four were sold out. We had, you know, 300 people there, which was capacity of that room, just over 300. And um, yeah, and averaged the 10 bucks a head. He got his bar. He, we went over. I think we had like 3,500 at the bar. And he was like, right on, man. Nice. You can keep, you can keep doing this. And I was like, okay, cool. So, uh, I, so I wasn't expecting to be a event promoter or concert promoter, but it was just something that just kind of happened because I had a lot of talented friends that I wanted people to see and, uh, and also promote myself and my music at the time. And, uh, so I went to do it for four weeks and we ended up doing it for 200 weeks straight, almost, almost four years. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) and like, so at the time my band was called the devil's orchestra and we did the residency, for 72 weeks so over a year <laughs> and and then I had you know talented people opening uh, you know a room of DJs and then a room that was like multimedia any kind of art um, film premieres whatever it could have been just anything that was like the Hollywood community just showing the Hollywood community you know like a hub because Hollywood at the time and is once again the art community is pretty terrible it's pretty dead it's sparse there's, there's pockets of it but like the, having one general community doesn't really exist. Downtown is doing a great job of it right now in the arts district, which is super awesome. But Hollywood is kind of just more clubs, you know, and right. there's no really art, art scene besides little pockets of it. So there's this really cool thing that happened. And uh, 
And I did it for 200 weeks until I got the Christina gig. So rewind a little bit. So in that night, that uh, Young the Giant came out of that night. Skrillex came out of that night. Um, Rival Sons came out of that night. Neon Trees came out of that. Dead Sarah came out of that. The Growlers came out of that. Um, a lot of really dope bands that are, I mean, some are Grammy winners now, um, where, you know, at that time, just L.A. locals that needed a place to play. And uh, so it was so cool to see someone come and play in front of like, you know, 100 people and have them be like excited to play in front of 100 people. And then like within a year, two years, three years on the Grammy stage. Um, <laughs> what, a, what a nuts experience that would be, right? <laughs> really crazy, man. It was really cool. It made me like, I'm just so, so proud of my friends. But so anyways, the Christina Perry gig came out of that. Um, also jam card came out of that, which I'll get to in a second. But, um, so I got called to, to do the Christina Perry thing. And, um, from a friend, actually, uh, a friend was like, there's this artist, Christina Perry. She's doing really well. She has one single that just came out It came out on it on. So you think you can dance and, you know, X amount of People downloaded it instantly, which is like an insanely huge number. It's like 50,000 people like bought it that night or something crazy. And it was doing really well. But at the time, um, at the time, I had a pretty limited scope when I look back at it. I thought I was the most open-minded musical person ever. But really, I was only listened to, I was only listening and playing extremely open-minded music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I had like the pop door completely closed. I was like, I want to do, I want to do extreme music. That's it, whether it's jazz or it's metal or it's progressive or it's R&B hip hop, whatever it is, as long as it's like on the extreme limits, like that's where I, that's the wave I like to ride. And so no, I wasn't doing the singer songwriters or the pop acts or the country acts. Um, so when I got called for it, I actually passed on it. I was like, Oh, that's great. She seems really talented, but I'm not, I don't really work with singer songwriters, but thank you. Um, and then that day, it was either that day or the next day. I, I caught a little cold and I went to Gelson's to get chicken noodle soup. And I walked in and my favorite drummer was in line, who's Abe Laboreal Jr., who's the drummer for Paul McCartney, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen Paul McCartney live, but this dude has the most infectious energy ever. He is so charismatic and has such an amazing pocket. And he's just like smiling the whole set. And you just watch him like, dude, you are incredible. So... Uh, I saw him in line. I was like, I got to say something. So I walked up to him and literally was like, hey, man, I'm a big fan of yours. I love your work with your dad. His dad's a uh, bassist. I love your work with Paul. Like, I aspire to be like you. Just sending love. Thanks. And, uh, and he looked at me and he was like, well, man, like, thank you so much. If, the, if there's one piece of advice I could tell you, it's say yes to every gig because you never know who's going to be at that gig and who could see you and what door it'll lead to next. And I was like, huh? Because <laughs> I was like all picky about my gigs. Right. <laughs> and, um, and I was like, wow. And then like two days later, someone else called me for the Christina gig. Again, I got another call. And they were like, I think you should meet this girl, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go meet her. You know, right. I've now had two people call me. And this just happened. So uh, I went to meet her and the second I met her, we like hit it off instantly. We're both Italian. We're both Leos. We just gave each other a big hug and I had like an instant sis- like brother-sister vibe with her and I was like, wow, this girl's incredibly special. It felt like she was supposed to be in my life. I was supposed to be in hers. Like, cool, I'm not going to fight it. All this seemed to just happen. So 
I said yes, and it was a crazy roller coaster from that moment. And it ended up being um, John Anderson, who is uh, my writing partner with Devil's Orchestra, Symphonic Circles, the familiars. Him and I had a bunch of projects together. It was him and I. So I was like, okay, cool. Well, here's my best friend and I doing this together. Let's let's go. Um, and it took off incredibly fast. From the second we said yes, they gave us, I believe it was a week to, as soon as we said yes, they were like, great. Um, okay, meet with her here. She gave us like, you know, a, a 20 demos, like voice memo demos. And they were like, cool, we need to make an album. Uh, we have Ocean Way booked next Saturday. I'm like, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so no pressure, no pressure, no pressure. Okay. So let's make this record. So we got to, we got to like produce this record, uh, in over the next, seven days, do the pre-production, write it, find a bass player. We got a bass player. Um, and let's go from here. <laughs> and met with, so we did like a few days without Christina, just John and I, and then, um, and then brought Christina in and, uh, or brought Yenny in the bass player who was great. And then brought Christina in on like the fourth day or whatever. And we were like, here's our arrangements. Do you like them? She's like, I love them. We're like, okay, great. It seemed to happen pretty organically. And, uh, and then we walked into the studio. I'll never forget this. So we walk into the studio like a week later to do the whole record in one day. They wanted us to do it live in one day. And we walk in and there's a film crew. There's like a huge film crew. There's like 15 people. There's like a massive lighting truss because <laughs> it was at Ocean Way Studio A, which is this like legendary studio that like Sinatra recorded in. And they, uh, you know, it can house a hundred piece orchestra. It's one of the largest rooms in LA. Mm-hmm. And and there's like, you know, there's a rack around my drum set. I'm like, are you, okay, here we go. And uh, so we had, and there was no producer on the session, just an engineer. And I was like, okay, so we're self-producing this and we have six hours and it's filmed and we met each other a week ago. Let's wow. do this. <laughs> and uh, so we did it. And then the very next day we played Christina's first show ever. She had never played a show before, ever. And it was sold out. Santa Barbara Bowl, 5,500 people. And that was the next day. And then it went great. The whole thing kind of felt like magic. I remember her like looking at me right before, like shaking nervous, like, how do I, what do I even say? What do I do? You know, I can't, I can't imagine it from her perspective. You know, like yeah. writes a song, puts one song on iTunes, it blows up organically from one placement that she got from a friend, major label, bidding war happens, blah, blah, blah. Everything's great. She has all these fans instantly. She has all this attention instantly. She now has her first manager. And like, okay, cool. You make a record at Ocean Way and the next day is your first show and there's 5,000 people. And uh, so she was just a natural though. She killed it and we did it. And uh, it was quite the exciting feeling. And then three weeks later, that record came out and hit number one pop album on iTunes. Wow. And, and that, was like, that was like the beginning of that wave. And right after that happened, I was still doing Camerata and I was trying to find a replacement for me, someone that could run. Camerata was the weekly event in Hollywood. I don't know if I said that, but um, I was trying to find like a replacement for me so I could be on the road and, uh, and, and still keep the night going. But I just couldn't. As soon as I was gone, like people didn't want to go anymore. And, mm-hmm. I, and like the bands I was trying to book were like, well, we're not, we don't want to play if you're not going to be there. So I ended up stopping the night on the 200th one. I, I was at, it was at like week 198 and I was like, you know what, I'm going to get to 200 and call it quits. So did the 200th Camerata, put it on hiatus, and then left on tour for like the next two years. Um, with Christina? With Christina, yeah. And uh, right before that, in the, at the very beginning of Christina, I was still playing with 
I had like eight projects going at that time. I was playing with Skrillex. I was playing with Dirty Murdered Birds, which is this like super fun live electronic duo I had, Symphonic Circles, um, the Wild Feathers, which was this uh, – because right after that, I said yes to this gig, the Wild Feathers, which was this uh, group that Jimmy Iovine put together because he wanted another Eagles. And he put together four songwriters, one from Nashville, one from Austin. There's four country guys that were just like incredible writers. And uh, so I ended up sitting with them for a while, which was a great experience. And they're doing really well right now too. And uh, yeah, so it was just like – there was so much music, like a whirlwind of music happening like all around us and everyone like doing really cool things and working really hard and everyone being genuinely awesome people. So it was just like a really great, really great moment. I'm listening to your story. It's obviously so inspirational. And and I love on your website when, when you've played with Skrillex, it's Skrillmo, right? Or Skrillmo. Yeah, Skrillmo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the two of you together. Um, but uh, I'm just I'm just trying to come up with like a, a theme of just how to because I mean we all know that the artists scene whether it be musicians or actual art or whatever it is they always call them, you know the starving artists because you said that about 15 minutes ago that it's it's an art to make money with art right yeah. and you're obviously crushing it and not just in the sense that that you started at 15 years old and did all the world tours and all that very early and very young, but still through this day have been kind of a center focal person in, in the Hollywood music scene. And then even now nationally and then internationally. And as a result have been, you know, just, I mean, things don't happen by accident. The fact that you had two calls to work with Christina, the fact that you bumped into that guy right when you needed to hear from him saying, you know, don't ever turn a gig down. Things are happening and, you know, some might call it luck, some might, what is it? Like, how for the individuals that are listening to this right now, who might be in the art scene, whatever it is, whether it be music or something, that aren't making it, what would you say it is? Is it just your your sheer talent? Because obviously you're extremely talented. Would you say that it's uh, maybe a bit of luck, all of the above? How did you make it as big as you did? So, because what I'm hearing that was really a catapult in this is, number one, you're, you're dedication to what it is that you love and your unfailing um, commitment to doing what you're passionate about that opened doors and your practice, right? It's not like you just picked up drums and were perfect day one. You said you'd play from two o'clock in the afternoon to eight o'clock at night every day. So you put in the effort to get good. But then another thing that I'm thinking was a huge play on your part was starting that Sunday night. What was it again? The cam, uh, Ro- yeah, what? yeah, camarada. Camerata, that's it. Yes, starting Camerata um, made you like the point man, where then all of a sudden people like Skrillex and all these people were like, well, dude, you got to go to Elmo. I think that's a huge play too for, for individuals that are listening, whether in the art scene or not, even in the entrepreneurial world of creating your own. I know that that's a couple of things. I come from the background of real estate and a couple of people I know who are absolutely crushing it now, they started their own real estate meetup groups where they were just, you know, a face in the crowd. Now all of a sudden they're the host of the show of these of these real estate Maria events or meetup groups and now all of a sudden they're the big deal and their businesses are blowing up. So that was a huge play as well. How could someone try to duplicate what you've done uh of getting where you are? I mean, what would some little pieces of advice be? Well, you know, it's funny. First of all, like I didn't realize the impact of what I was doing until way after I was already done doing it. Um I never realized like what came out of Camerata as it was in the moment, I never realized it. It wasn't until I was done and on tour and I looked back and I was just like, oh my God. And then like the calls that I w- the opportunities that were coming because of it years later was just like, wow, good thing I did that. <laughs> right. um, but I would say, I mean, 
First and foremost, passion speaks. Like when you are pa- when you are genuinely passionate with whatever your calling is, it's undeniable when you talk to someone. And if what, whatever it may be, you know, whether it's like baking or drumming, like when you're excited about something, you're going to be good at it. And even if someone else doesn't think you're good at it, you must think you're good at it and there's going to be a market for you. And so just first of all, you got to know whatever it is. Like I was lucky enough to know when I was young that I wanted to play drums and drums were my favorite thing in the world. So that's where I feel incredibly lucky was that I found the one thing that just makes me super happy and grounds me and I have my, my release in that. Um, so it's just number one, be passionate. Number two, be kind. I would say m- more than 50% of you getting the gig and, and creating the whatever you're trying to create more than your talent is the fact that people just enjoy you and want to work with you because you're pleasant and you are genuine and you're honest. And the second you break your honesty to anybody, that'll spread. And no one, you know, no one's going to work with you. You know, if, if you have anybody walking around town being like, oh, nah, forget that guy. That guy burned me in this way. You know, I mean, I, I truly believe that I haven't burned a bridge this whole time. I haven't done anybody wrong. You know, there's a way, I mean, I've probably had, I've definitely had to tell things to people that they didn't want to hear, but I told them in the most straight up form, like, here's exactly what's going on. And because of that, I have to make this decision here. I'm sorry, you know, whatever it may be, but just like communicating, being honest, being transparent, you know, and having a good heart. And, uh, I feel like, that's the recipe. No, that's great. And you even say that, you know, you talk about all of the stuff you do in music and that you're a beard enthusiast. And then lastly, <laughs> you say, you say people lover. And, uh, you know, that's important that, uh, uh, you gotta be a people person. And so for someone that might be more of the introvert, not so much a people person, you know, he didn't say that, uh, you've got to go out there and, and be loud and, you know, and, and be, getting a lot of attention or even in the limelight, but just being honest, being genuine, uh, and being someone that people like being around. That's, that's a great piece of advice as well. And then obviously you put hard work with that. So, and you know what, thinking back even over my career of people that I've been able to mentor along the way, when there's someone that's just putting their head down, working hard and a pleasure to be around, you notice them, right? And right. it's funny, I, without getting too down the rabbit trail, I'm, I'm now reflecting back on my career of of looking back on you know, some of the successes I've had of finding people who were where I wanted to be, putting my head down and doing whatever it took to get there, and then even on the reverse of being more the mentor of having people come to me and... I, you know, when I, when I'm in the position I'm in, I have a lot of people approach me asking me to teach them, asking me to mentor them, asking me to just go to lunch for an hour, and I do what I can. But obviously, I'm, I'm a husband, father, you know, entrepreneur myself. I've got I've got only limited time to do things like that. But the ones that I always make time for are the ones that I just enjoy being around. So that's actually a a very simple piece of advice, but a very true and important one that. Uh, uh, you know how how do you make people like you? Well, what Elmo just said: be truthful, be honest, don't burn bridges. Um, be, you know, be genuine with people, be kind. Those are things that anyone can do, whether you're born a people person or not. All all of us can be truthful and genuine and kind, and and uh, you know, put our best foot forward in relationships. And those are the types of people that I personally in my life take time away from my business or my family or my hobbies to give time away to somebody is because I enjoy being around them. And so, uh, you know, that's a great piece of advice right there. And as a result of that, the doors will open. Totally. I believe so. 
let's uh, let's transition to the entrepreneurial stuff you're doing right now. So obviously we've got a good wrap on on what you've done as a musician, uh, starting early, putting your head down, working hard, getting people to like you, and then eventually making yourself the center of influence, and uh, you know just building all these relationships. Then you decided to kind of put a hold on touring, take a step out of the music scene temporarily to focus on the tech scene and, and have a startup company called Jam Card. Break that down for us. What is Jam Card? And you started this conversation off at the very beginning of saying that you know you needed something that wasn't there, so you kind of solved a problem in your own life. Talk about the creation of it, because I think a lot of people, I mean, let's just be real here. As a musician, people wouldn't throw you uh, under the umbrella of being an entrepreneur. You're a musician, you're talented, you tour, you do things with big name artists like Christina and others that you've dropped, and that's great. But then now all of a sudden, whoa, you've started a tech company, and you know that came way out of left field, and you know some might think so. How did you have an idea that you then made a reality? What is Jam Card? And just break that down for us, that process of creating it and then launching it. Yeah. So once again, another, another thing that just kind of happened organically. Um, so I was doing Camerata. You know, I was a couple years into it. So Camerata became this established like scene of just musicians and music industry folk and just good, talented people. And so I started getting calls. Um, from people being like, yo, um, I need a guitar player for my band. Do you know anyone? Or, yo, I need a producer. Or, hey, we need a drummer. Or whatever it may be. And I started like playing matchmaker and being like, oh, you know what? This guy would probably be actually really good with you. He needs a gig. And he has the same interests and genres and very nice guy, whatever it may be. And, um, and I started just like kind of help building bands. And, uh, and whenever... Whenever it happened and it was a hit and like the artist loved the musician and the musician loved the artist and it was great for everyone and they were ecstatic, A, beautiful things were made musically. B, they were just like stoked and friends. It's almost like hooking up like two of your friends and then they end up getting married and actually right. having like a great marriage, you uh -huh. know? And they're like, yeah. dude, th thank you. Like, because to a musician, your music is the most important thing in your life. Like a lot of the times more than your relationships or your family even. And that's why musicians are selfish. <laughs> and, um, you know, cause finding that partner, that writing partner, the band member, the band, like is like the most important thing ever to you. And so it was always a good feeling whenever it would work. Um, and, people were always coming to this and I was looking at my other friends and I was like, man, there's nowhere, there's no service that does this outside Craigslist and Craigslist does it in, you know, just an open forum. That's just like a mess and a process to go through. And my little brother, who's a really talented musician, um, had been looked literally searching on Craigslist for like six years and never found his compatible musician match on there ever. And it was like a constant search for him. And the dude's incredibly talented. And he found, uh, he found musicians to play with. But like, you know, it's like, oh, you found a bass player who's really good, but he's a stoner and he's not reliable. Or you find a singer with a great voice, but the dude's a dick, you know, or whatever it may be, you know, just finding that match for you. And, and I was like, how is there not a service that does this or a place that's just like a, an online hub, a music community that doesn't exist? Um, and so instantly that was the birth of jam card in my mind. I was like, Oh man, everyone needs this. Clearly I'm getting calls for it every single day. Um, I'm seeing it in all my friends, all my friend groups, all my friends are musicians and they're all always on the hustle, always looking for gigs, always looking for the right band or a band is always looking for the right player. 
And um, so I literally, I called my dad. My dad's an entrepreneur and he was like, that's an awesome idea. Don't tell anybody. Start writing a business plan. Um, this, this, this. And I was like, okay, Googled, like, what's a business plan? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I love and, that. And started looking at what a business plan was. And I was like, wow, that seems really hard to make. <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm that kind of person. So I, so I started writing the business plan and like a couple days in, I was on, I was on page three of the business plan and I was like, wow, I really am not enjoying writing this business plan, but I really want to make this website. There weren't apps at the time. You know, uh, I was like, I need this service, but I don't want to do this. And I was like, okay, my dad being an entrepreneur, he's like, you know, this is going to take a lot of time and a lot of effort in order to do something like this. Like, so you got to put in the time and do it or, you know, don't. And so I thought about it and I was like, okay, I really want to do this site. I really feel like everyone needs it. I need it. Um, what am I doing? Do I want to do this? Am I trying to be like a businessman? you know, uh, going this realm or am I trying to be a musician? And I sat there and I looked and I was like, I'm trying to be a musician. Like the music's my main goal. And the main thing that makes me happy, I'm not trying to be a businessman. Cool. I'm not doing jam card. Um, I'm going to put it off to the side. If it comes back to me one day, it's meant to be. So that also ended up being a great decision because over those next four years, my career as a professional musician really took off. And uh, I started working with, you know, much bigger names, like A-list names in the studio and live. And uh, I started like meeting a lot of my idols and like working with some of my idols. And I was just like, wow, this is, this is awesome. So glad I did this. But the whole time, Jam Card kept popping up in my mind. I kept meeting people that needed it. And I kept meeting as I got to a higher level, I started meeting professionals and I started meeting my idols who needed it. And I was like, wait a second. I'd be talking with these people who are like incredibly professional. We're on the cover of magazines that I was reading when I was a kid. And here they are. And they're like filling a hole in their schedule for next Tuesday. And I'm like, what? And I also realized that they're all freelance still. They could be in their fifties or sixties, incredibly professional Grammys, blah, 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 blah. And they're, they're freelance. And that's when it hit me. I was like, wow, the professional musician is freelance forever, but there's nothing that really helps them. So when I realized that the professionals needed it just as much, if not even more so than the amateurs needed it, I was like, shit, I, I have to make this. And so I started brainstorming, didn't tell or even deeper, didn't tell a single person. And for the last year I was on tour, I saved up every single dime so I could come home, quit, and invest in myself. And I, and I did that. And... It was, a really, it was a really hard move to make, and I kept thinking, like, is this what I want to do? Is this what I want to do? Finally, I got to the point, it was, uh, it was Christmas Eve two years ago, and I played on the Today Show with Christina at, like, five in the morning <laughs> in New York, and, uh, and it was raining and everything, and that was my last show, and I came home, and I was like, it was Christmas Day, and I was like, all right, that's it. I'm going to literally put my entire music career on hold. Like, I got it to the highest level I've ever been at. And I'm going to do this. And the one quote, the one quote that I think my dad told me, someone told me, or I read on Instagram, who knows, right? Was just simply like, was simply like, yo, you never know unless you try. And to me, I was like, you know what? Jam card's been on my mind for four years. In order for me to at least, at the very least, silence it off my mind, I have to attempt to do it. 
And if I attempt to do it and it works, wow, that must have been a calling. And if it doesn't work, hey, at least I tried and I'll never think about this again. You know, like yeah, no, that's a that's a great philosophy. You never know until you try, right? Yeah. And then not being attached to the outcome too. Like you said, that if it didn't work, you're not a failure. You didn't, you know, you're not a, a terrible person. You never have to think about it again. Back to your passion. So that's a great lesson right there for the listener too. That may have had something bubbling for four years, like you had, or even longer in the back of their mind that they've just been trying to silence the thoughts, and it just keeps coming back through uh, seeing the need or just thinking about it. Well, you never know unless you try. And hey, it works perfect. It was a calling for a reason. It doesn't work. That doesn't mean anything about you as a person. It just means the idea and the way that you tried to apply it might not work. Maybe tweak it a little bit and try again. Or it might just be the wrong time and the wrong market for it and move on and get back to your passion. So One quote, I actually tweeted this the other day is, uh, no matter what one does, regardless of failure or success, the experience is a form of of success in itself. And I've learned so much in this process. Um, it's, I mean, this whole, you know, that was Christmas Eve, 2012, right? Yes. Um, I feel like I've been in college since then, like in, in learning how to start a proper, you know, tech startup. And, um, I've learned so much, even just in my vocabulary and everything. I remember thinking when I first started doing it and talking to the professionals in the scene, I was like, man, there's so many acronyms. What, what, <laughs> what are all these things? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea SEC. why, but us, yeah. us in the uh, business world, man, we love acronyms and I have oh, no man. idea why. I mean, I didn't even know. I literally, when I started, I was like, what's an NDA? <laughs> like, I love it. It was like it was like the most basic ones, like learning everything. Like I don't know what the difference between an LLC and an, what's an S corp. Like, like just you know, there's so many, so many things that go into it. But uh, it was it was fun to learn. So that was the main thing that made me do it. Was literally like, you know what? I gotta just try it. I have to. And if uh, and if it doesn't work out, I'm not gonna be bummed. I'll be like, well, as long as I give it my all, I'll be like, damn, I tried. Okay, on to the next one, whatever it may be. And, so you oh. built it, you launched it 2013, and it is an app because apps now exist now, uh, today. Yeah, and now uh, it's an app. So yeah, obviously, as I came back to the idea, I was like, okay, well, what is it now in the modern day? I was like, well, what I want it to be, what I want Jamcard to be is the, is the, the musician's you know, digital multimedia resume. Like, I just, it's exactly what I wanted someone to hand me when they were like, you should check out this artist, that this is what I wanted. Or when I wanted to present myself, for a gig or for someone, a fan or whatever it is, like this is what I wanted to give them. You know, it's, it's curated by the individual to show exactly what you're doing right now and the steps you're trying to make tomorrow. So, so it's like a virtual business card for artists in a collective community that uh, not only do they get some pictures, but even some sampling of the music, whether it's drumming or singing, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. you put your videos up, you put your songs up. It's all hosted off YouTube and SoundCloud, so you don't have to like go find the files and like upload them yourselves. It's like in, in the setting up of it's incredibly easy. We built an internal search engine for YouTube and for SoundCloud where... I mean, uh, you'll see if you get the app, you literally just hit add a video and then search YouTube and you just type in your name and then there's all your videos and um, you just click one and it takes all the metadata and you're like, great, that's it. Or you make it more personal or whatever you want to do. I just, I just wanted like, put your music where your mouth is. Like Craigslist is like, here's words about me. LinkedIn is like, here's words about me, right? right. As, a, as an artist, I'm like, I don't want to hear words about you. I want to literally see you play. Like show me, I can tell in 10 seconds if you're right for what I'm trying to do or not, or if I'm, or if I'm intrigued to look deeper, 
you know? Mm-hmm. Or if I'm like, oh, that's cool. You're definitely not the right person for me. I'll move on. So that's exactly what jam card is. You know, when you look at someone's jam card, it's just their multimedia resume of them, the artist. So it's so say, funny hear, hearing about how you didn't even know acronyms two years ago. Now you're talking about internal search engines and metadata yeah. and all this different yeah, stuff. Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. <laughs> now you're all teched out. It's so funny, man. But you know what? Like I told you, man, I'm still playing music every day and I feel like it's just making me more well-rounded. Like even if, if jam card fails, you know, well, I got, I have a lot of knowledge and a whole new world that I could also apply to whatever else it is. And all my years of building bands, I've actually applied to building the company. I'm building the company the same way I built the bands. And now I'm learning so much in the company in terms of like deeper ways of marketing and all this stuff that I'm going to apply to my bands. Well, you're just taking your own advice that you just tweeted about the other day. You said even if it doesn't work out, you've learned so much about this new world. And that's, again, the process and the experience is a success in in and of itself. So you're just just taking your own advice there. That's good. Totally, totally. So, uh, So yeah, so with Jam Card, like you can literally go into the search and you can be like, show me a drummer within five miles of West Hollywood. And it pulls up drummers, you know, here's the drummers that are on it. You click on someone and you just have a simple, transparent layout of who they are and you can see them play instantly. And on the the first page, we call the overview page of your jam card. It's just like, you know, say your skill sets, you're a producer, you're a writer, you're a bassist, violinist, whatever it is, Um, your location. Um, And then write a little bit about you if you'd like, but most importantly, choose one song and one video and one photo that represent you best. So if I'm stumbling across you, I don't know who you are, what's the one thing you want me to hear to grab my attention that represents you in a good way? And that's on the front page. And then if you watch that, listen to it, you like it, you just swipe over and you have all their videos that they posted and all their songs and all their photos and their upcoming shows and their chain. Your chain is uh, all the people that you work with. It's like the equivalent of your friends, right? Right. Um, like just showing like, oh, yeah, these are the bass players I work with. Here's the engineer. Here's the musical director. Here's the producer. Um, just showing like your musical family. And then there's also fo- followers on there. So if you're just a fan of someone but you don't work with them, you can follow them. And then, uh, you know, there's internal messaging. So if you like someone, you're like, Oh, this is my fit. You can just hit them right there. You don't have to go to texting or emailing or anything. I just, I, I, I hated that. Whenever I was trying to build a band as a musical director, when I got to the point of doing it professionally, even that's what I realized is even if you have a big major label budget and you have all the money in the world to support you and help build your band, it's still a pain in the ass building your band and the whole audition process. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, music's my favorite thing in the world, and I love discovering musicians, and I, and I still think this is a pain in the ass. Why? This should be something really exciting and like fun. You're like, dude, I get to build my band. I have a budget. What the hell? <laughs> right. Great. You know, like, why is – and the, the way of doing it was just so archaic. And I was like, There's, this has just got to be more fun than this. So, Well, man, that's awesome stuff. And, and I'm stoked that you finally – you know, it was five years in the making. You put your foot down – Christmas Eve 2012 and here you are it actually exists people are enjoying it and uh just from the way you're describing it I mean 
especially because it's the first of its kind, it's going to be huge. And, um, you know, congratulations on that, that, uh, I, I heard a quote somewhere that says that graveyards are the wealthiest place in the world because that's where people take their ideas, their dreams, their inventions to die with them. And, uh, this is an idea the world needed that, uh, you shared. And, and now not only will you have your success from being the creator of it, but so many people will benefit from it. And, you know, that's what entrepreneurism is. It's about solving problems in every single way, whether it's, you know, creating a problem and then solving it through your product. Cause now people have to have what you have, like Apple do with the iPhone or, uh, solving a problem in the marketplace. Like you did with jam card. Uh, it's, it's huge. And so congratulations on that, man. we wish you the most of your success. Let's transition. Uh, to these. You. Yeah, you're welcome, man. And let's transition to these final four questions here. When, uh, so we can wrap this thing up and, and get you back to, uh, your entrepreneurial slash musicianal endeavors. <laughs> um, what, uh, which is just still such a rad combination. What, uh, you know, a lot of people would love to experience the success you've had both in business and, you know, in being a musician and just in, in whatever their passions are. What is your two to three ingredient recipe for success that worked for you? We already heard that you talked about, you know, being authentic and being uh, someone that people like, not burning people and, you know, using honesty. That's great. What's maybe one or two more things that looking back from 15 till today are staples that have been a huge a reason that you've experienced the success that you've had? I mean, I would say if there was three, I would probably narrow it down to, you know, authentic, passionate, and kind would, you know, hopefully get you far. Um, what, um, on top of that, like, I mean, what I did is, which was really what Camerata was and what Jam Cards become and everything is, I just surround myself in people that inspire me, that are positive people. I'm a positive person, so like, I feed off positive energy. Negative energy, like, really affects me. And I, and I uh, don't respond well to it. I kind of just like, I just avoid it. I literally just go the other direction and don't really allow it into my life. And therefore, it's led me to have like relatively consistent days because the people I keep around me, you know, you don't need to have like a thousand people around you. You can just have a couple people around you. But those people have such a strong influence on you and how you react and how you think, you know, and what you choose and decide to do and go with. And so I've always just kept positive, inspiring people around me. That's a that's a huge lesson for people, and that's something that you have the pleasure of doing as an entrepreneur, or even you as a musician. That uh, you know you don't have to show up to that job anymore, where there's that boss or that coworker that makes you want to punch yourself in the face. You uh, you truly do only do business or make music or whatever your industry is with people that bring you up. And uh, you know that's funny that we hear that theme a lot there, Elmo. Whether it be you sharing it in your experience or entrepreneurs saying it in a different way, that the community that you build around yourself and the community that you're a part of is so important and impactful in what your success is, what your life looks like and what you do. And, uh, you know, there's a thousand quotes about who you hang out with is who you become or who you are. Even mom says that to us growing up, right? Ducks hang with ducks. And, mm-hmm. uh, f- for the, you know, 50th time we've heard that, let that be a lesson that if you have control now, some of, you know, some of the listeners of this, of this show may still be in the work environment when they need that income and can't do anything about it. Well then just let that person's influence over you be as little as is physically possible until yep. you're in the position of breaking away from that, right? Don't let their opinions of you matter. And if there's any way to limit the exposure you have to that person by even moving, moving desks or something, right? Just do what you need to do to limit the negativity, do what you can do to increase the positivity in your life. Uh, because that's just such a common theme of people who are doing well that they got there by building that community around themselves. So that's yeah, another huge that, piece that of advice. One, uh, that was one thing I noticed too. And 
is, uh, and I'm sure this relates to the business world, but in, with the music world, you know, I would see, you know, you could have an incredibly successful act, you know, and there's, when you're touring, you know, there's like, you know, anywhere from like eight to 12 of you in the tour bus. And you can be doing this big thing and everyone can look at you like your world is so huge because you're traveling the whole world. But when it comes down to it, you're just next to that group of people the entire time, right? right. It's a small group. And you can be at the highest level of success, like playing arenas and like making money and like having awesome catering. But if the, the eight people, 12 people around you, you don't treat and feel as genuine family, you can feel completely alone and unfulfilled. And that was a big lesson for me was you got to just surround yourself with the right people because you can even have, you could get to the point of quote unquote success and still not feel the fulfillment within you because of that and still be looking for something else. Right. So, so I built jam card with all the people that brought onto the team as just like, I always, am like, okay, three years out, this is successful. Who do I want at the dinner table in Cabo celebrating with me? (laughs) (laughs) Well, sadly, you might have to pick a different location. Cabo's, uh, (laughs) I don't know if you, uh, I don't know that you know this, but I was actually in Cabo during that hurricane. No Uh, way. Oh yeah, dude. I was there when we left. uh, The forecast was that there was a tropical storm down in Southern Mexico that uh, could potentially become a hurricane, but the wind direction and everything about it was, you know, nothing to worry about. So we flew down there. It grew to a class, you know, category four and changed direction and hit Cabo. Dude, I'm down there with my wife, my daughter, my parents. It was wild. And, uh, it was a category four? Uh, when it hit land. And then, it, you know, as it gets away from the heat of the ocean, it became a category three as it tore Ew. through all of, all of Cabo, all the way up through like La Paz. But, uh, yeah, wow. dude, I lived, I lived through it. We, <laughs> the roof got ripped off the hotel, one the of the Hilton? buildings. Uh, what was that? In the Hilton? No, we were at the Finisterre, which is the most southern hotel on the peninsula, which was literally the first building to get hit. And uh, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, this is totally off subject, but uh, the way that that <laughs> hotel is designed is that it has multiple buildings, and we got evacuated out of our building and moved into kind of like the storm shelter. And uh, one of the buildings in the hotel, like completely, the roof ripped off. It was completely destroyed. And so, uh, I mean, it's sad. And and uh, we then we were stranded there for days. And I finally got evacuated. I had to book a private jet to come pick us up and take us out of there because it was just such a mess so i'm glad to be home but feel terrible for the mexican people now that have that you know that that's their that life now is their reality for for the next probably several years i don't even know if they have electricity yet so anyway that's just when you threw uh when you threw the word out of celebrating in cabo (laughs) you might need to pick a different destination at least until like 2016 2017 oh my god that sucks (laughs) yeah yeah oh and it was terrible because you know as i'm sitting there in the hotel room while 160 mile an hour winds are hitting the glass uh, sliding doors of our hotel room and my little 20 month old baby girls asleep you know 15 feet away from it i was pretty tripping out but uh, we yeah, made it everything's good so. yeah for sure all right well back back to the subject matter here that's just sorry you just said cabo and that's still fresh in my mind but uh we you love know. you cabo yeah, well, did, he did say three years, so probably will be back in order then. Okay. <laughs> One more question for you. What's the most valuable lesson you learned or that someone shared with you along the way that if you could go back in time, you wish you would have known it from the start? Ooh. Um... You know what? I, I guess the line that probably impacted me most was that one that Abe Laboriel said, which is say yes to every gig. Um, say yes to every gig. And my dad always told me, I mean, this is classic. My dad always just said, no guts, no glory. Yeah. And, uh, and that was another big decision when it came to the point of, because I mean, as, as you know, in your experience, like it's, it's hard, especially if you get to a place where you're comfortable somewhere, 
you can be comfortable and happy with your job. Like I was completely comfortable and happy as my place as a musician, but then I had this other urge of this thing I wanted to tackle. And in order to do it, I, I had to quit all that. And it's like, you know, uh, I saw the guy, what's the guy, the, the Ali, Ali Daba guy quoted, uh, he's like, you know what? He's like, I decided, he said he got a group of like 20 of his friends together and told them the idea and uh, 19 of them said it was the worst idea ever and he's never done tech before and he's never going to make it. And then one guy, a banker friend of his, said to do it. And the banker friend of his told him, um, you know, worse comes to worse. Try this. And if, you, if it fails, you can always go back to what you were doing before. Take, take the plunge. Take the jump. Jump in and figure it out. You know, don't sit there and research it for a year. You know, like you're going to learn as, as you dive in. And the, and the best right. experience is learning. Like at least for me, I'm, I tend to be a procrastinator. And so if you hit me up and you're like, oh, yeah, we need to have this done in the next three weeks. I'm like, okay, cool. Or you're like, oh, we need this done in the next three days. Chances are I'm going to spend three days on it, whether it's the last three days of the three weeks or the three days that start right now. Right, right. <laughs> um, um, so maybe that's another lesson right there. Set deadlines for yourself. Even if someone else isn't holding you to a deadline, set deadlines for yourself to get yourself to work. Totally, totally. Well, Elmo, it's been awesome chatting with you this hour. Um, there's been so much takeaways. And just, again, just the theme of this is... And don't take this as any form of disrespect, but kind of just ignorance on fire. You never, you never had the complete plan with all the steps worked out. You just went for it and made it work. And I think that's so important. You just said a second ago, don't think about something for a year before you start. Just go do it. And that's really the theme. Like whether it was your entrepreneur endeavors or whether it was your career in music, you just did it. You just told those guys at 15 years old, you're 18, show up, let's do it. And then, well, I'm actually 15, but here I can really play. And then you just, you just organically use that word a lot, went after it. And so, you know, one thing that I use a lot in the business world is ignorance on fire. You don't need to know everything, just go for it. And so what a lesson to the listeners and what an inspiration for them. And definitely a lot of action steps uh, you provided for us as well to, to start doing today. So What's the best way for listeners to find you? Is there a Twitter? You mentioned your Twitter earlier that you want to share or a website so that they can stay plugged in, watch your success grow over a jam card and uh, watch your music and just you know be inspired by what you do. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, at Elmo Lovano, E-L-M-O-L-O-V-A-N-O is you know Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, slash Elmo Lovano, all those social networks. Uh, jam card, at Jam card. Jam card's got two M's, by the way, so it's J-A-M-M. C-A-R-D. And um, yeah, with Jamcard, uh, so real quick in closing about Jamcard, we, we announced Jamcard in July of this year. That was my first time telling people. And we're about to finally put up our public uh, launch. So it actually hasn't even gone full swing yet. It's oh, been wow. in, That's in cool. development this whole time. Um, so keep your eyes peeled for it. Musicians, you know, hey, it's just a great place to uh, represent yourself and show what you do and what you're looking for. Right on, Emma. Well, thanks again for your time, man. We're stoked for you, and we wish you all the best of luck. Thank you, Cole. Great talking with you, man. You know, as I just got done re-listening to this episode again to do the final edits and the intro and outro, I'm just listening to Elmo talk. And you can just tell this guy's super positive. And what's actually really cool is after we wrapped up this conversation, I continued to talk with Elmo for about 15 or so minutes about his business. And as many of you know, I'm an angel investor and venture capitalist. And so I'm going to be meeting with Elmo at the time of recording this this moment, four days from now, to sit down and look at the business model and see if it's something that might fit inside my portfolio. So 
even outside of what uh, Elmo shared about Jam Card on the air, it's actually uh, it's actually pretty exciting. So I'm gonna take a look at this, and uh, you know, stay tuned. I'll maybe talk about it on future episodes. That if I ended up pulling the trigger or not, the show notes can be found at fmpodcast.com/slash. Episode 34, head on over there, check it out. Support Almo. Again, he's an amazing man. He's, he's up to some good things. He's doing a lot for the music industry and now in the business world as well. And uh, like he talked about, just that positivity and making people like you. I bought in. I definitely like this guy. So give him some support. Follow him on Twitter. Give him a shout out. Let him know what you thought of the show. And if you enjoyed it, share it with somebody else. Thank you for listening. As always, we love you. We appreciate your support. Get out there. Get after it. And be fearless. Oh, 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 o